0: Good morning. This is the January 17th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we're on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is John, and on today's episode I pose the question, what WWF Golden Era team made their TV debut on this day in 1987? If you were watching Superstars of Wrestling on this day in eighty-seven, most of what you saw was filmed on January 5th from the Brendan Byrne Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. After Kamala squashed an unfortunate fella by the name of Don Driggers in 33 seconds, you saw a vignette for Outback Jack. And when the camera cut back to the ring, Vince was telling you in voiceover, among all the sights and sounds of the WWF, we're told this next duo is going to be something else indeed. In the ring, we were introduced to Salvatore Bellomo and Mario Mancini. The show was emanating from Jersey, and there were a couple of paisans in the ring. Nothing out of the ordinary about that. Then Howard Finkel spoke the words that would ring in my ears for the next few minutes. Builded at a combined weight of 567 pounds, from that hotbed of wrestling talent, parts unknown, and accompanied to the ring by manager Johnny V, axe and smash, demolition. Almost a week past my 13th birthday, having grown up in the New York Territory with very little access to any wrestling outside of the WWF product, except in those magazines my mother wouldn't let me buy because there would always seem to be someone on the front with their face covered in blood, what I was seeing on my TV screen this Saturday morning was just about the coolest thing I had ever witnessed. I was wearing my Quiet Riot Metal Health t-shirt, bought under protest from my mother, as it featured a man in a straight jacket and metal mask. But it was bought with quote-unquote my money, earned from sweaty summers of lawn maintenance, so I eventually won that battle. On my TV at this moment were two guys in even cooler masks, with metal spikes covering part of not only their masks, but also their wickedly awesome leather vests and forearm gauntlets. I was in awe. The mask came off and these two not quite muscle-bound, but barrel-chested and country-strong-for-sure freaks, had their faces grease-painted like KISS, though somehow seemingly even more demonic and intimidating. There wasn't a lot of technique involved. Body slams, clubbing blows, and clotheslines were the majority of their repertoire, but it was all delivered with such force that it was more than enough. After barely more than two minutes, Smash made a tag then lifted Mancini to his side and brought him down across his knee for what normally would be a backbreaker, but he held him there in this vulnerable position as Axe climbed to the second buckle and came down with an elbow that sent Mancini flipping ass over tea kettle and crashing to the mat where he was covered for the 1-2-3. In the very next segment, Hulk Hogan appeared in Piper's pit, where he was presented with a trophy for surpassing three years as the WWF champion, but I didn't give a crap about Hogan to begin with. And i couldn't even concentrate on him in this moment what the hell had i just seen in that previous segment a tag team that was the walking smashing embodiment of rock and roll that i was coming to love i felt like quiet riots metal Health should have been their theme music and they weren't even in their peak form yet on this superstar show axe was portrayed by bill Eady, and smash was portrayed by randy collie who you might remember as moondog rex with johnny valiant as their manager At this point, very few wrestlers and or teams had theme music, and Demolition was not among the chosen few just yet. Randy Collie would be soon replaced by Barry Darso in the smash role, and manager Donnie Valiant would sell their contracts to Mr. Fuji, completing the most popular and memorable iteration of the team. And as more and more WWF superstars began being blessed with walkout music, they were part of that next wave to get theirs. And forget what I said about my idea for their theme because the one they got was perfect. A chugging four-chord riff with lyrics performed by Rick Frickin' Derringer. The only thing I liked about Hulk Hogan at the time was his real American theme music. Now the same man who wrote and performed that tune flexed his darker side as he slugged through a simple but perfect chord progression and landed somewhere between a bark and a scream as he added the lyrics Here comes the axe, and here comes the smasher The Demolition Walking Disaster Pain and Destruction is our middle name They perfected the face paint from the mostly black mess that we saw in their debut Added the killer music, the right manager, and ran roughshod over the fed They remained undefeated through June of that year and in a very healthy tag team division they would be champs by the next year's WrestleMania. Their first of three title runs would be historic, lasting a record 478 days. That record would not be bested for more than 27 years when the New Day surpassed them in 2016. The team would last beyond its WWF days and into the 2000s. At different times, it featured Axe, two Smashes, a Crush, a Sledge, a Crash with a K, a Hux, two blasts, and a bash. But it all began with Axe and Smash, Edie and Collie, who made their television debut on this day, January 17th, 1987, from an East Rutherford, New Jersey show. Well, that's our show for today. And if you'd like to continue the conversation about demolition, I encourage you to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. You can go to facebook.com groups wrestlingnewshow wrestling news show or just search for Daily Wrestling News Show. Either way, click Join, and we'll let you in to talk about Demolition, your favorite tag team, or any historical wrestling topic. And if we don't see you there, we'll see you right back here for another episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show.